Hello and welcome to episode 165 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson. With me is Nathan Fox in Los Angeles. I'm in Los Angeles. Uh, my place is trashed and I'm a little bit hungover because okay. I had people over last night for board games. So I'm a little foggy getting started this morning. Well, uh, tell me, what board games were you playing? Um, we played a game called the Red Dragon in which i had never played before my class in san francisco recommended it to me and it was really fun we also played uh some game called i think it's called what do you meme um which is similar to a cards against humanity kind of a thing except for it has these pictures uh meme pictures and then you match a like a caption on it and then we uh turned on my switch and played a little bit of uh trivia murder party cool all righty. Yeah, so just the other day, uh, this weekend, actually, I was introduced to the game Backgammon, oh, which apparently Backgammon. has been around since like 3000 BC, yeah. and somehow I missed that boat, but it's a fun game. It's yeah. addicting. Yeah, that's real fun. I um, play that with my dad and with my sister when I'm home. Um, I grew up playing that, like we would bring Backgammon on camping trips and stuff. Backgammon's really oh really fun. yeah that's a yeah, that's, that's cool. a really cool really fun game you playing with the boys uh not yet I wanna I wanna uh, get a game going with them though soon. yeah it's you can like small ish kids can play backgammon pretty well it's, it's yeah. a good one yeah yeah the outside of the box actually said um smallish and up so smallish and up yeah yeah mm-hmm. perfect that, yeah. that was the uh, the uh, you know the allowed group of players <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, so happy Halloween. Yeah, man. Yeah, you too. I uh I'm wearing my um clown costume. You're wearing it right now? Yeah. I wanted to be festive. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you'll never know. I will never know. So, today on the show, we are going to analyze a student's GPA addendum. Also, they wrote an LSAT addendum trying to explain their low LSAT scores. Uh, I thought these addendums were okay, but definitely could use some help. So hopefully okay. that will be helpful for all our listeners out there. We're also going to review Ezra's new personal statement. If you don't know who Ezra was, <laughs> he is the man, or he is the author of The Man with Kind Eyes, or, yeah, who had kind eyes? I can't remember now. But anyway... <laughs> Um, that was voted the most hilarious personal statement that we have read on the show on the Facebook group. And so Ezra is trying to redeem himself, and I think he probably has done so. We will see. Um, we may read two of his personal statements. We also are going to, if we have time, tackle a logical reasoning question from LSAT India. I suspect that most of you have no idea what the heck that is, but there was a time back in 2009 at least that the LSAC made LSAT questions for the Indian market. I have no idea why they made questions in particular for the country of India, but they did. And um, we are under the impression that we can read those on the show without, I don't know, poking the bear, right? Yeah, angering the overlords. So hopefully they uh, will be okay with that and we will enjoy reading those. They are official LSAT questions. They just, um, yeah, they were made for a different market. Uh, you can always email us questions at help at thinkinglsat.com. 
Uh, when you do send us your questions, please include a selfie if you are game uh, to do so. You might be featured on the show notes um, or on Facebook or Twitter, whatever. Uh, right now, we have 1,035 members in the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. By the way, how would you get that number? Because whenever I look at it, it just says 1,000 plus or something. I don't know. It's I, It always shows me the number. Wow. Okay, cool. You have special access that I do not have. I'm very jealous. It's because me and Zuck, we're friends. Oh, you and Zuck, huh? Okay. Hey, did you did you ever see the video of Zuckerberg talking about smoking some meats? No. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. You you are in for a delightful treat, my friend, because this video of Zuckerberg, he is the weirdest dude. And apparently he did like some Facebook live kind of a show, like from his backyard. Okay. Where, where yeah. he was he was smoking some meats. <laughs> and and he and he had like these friends over, but they just looked like real awkward and real broy. And somebody edited it together, like cut cut out all of the. <laughs> Basically, I can't even describe it. Anyways, I'm gonna send you a link to it. <laughs> um, we will have a link to that in the show notes. And everyone, just you're welcome because it's like one of the funniest things I've ever seen before is this video of Zuckerberg smoking some meats. So, wait, now smoking meats can can you clarify something for me? Is that something that people do often? Uh, I I've never contemplated that or even would know how. Yeah my my next door neighbor has like a little smoker out on the back steps, and he he goes out there every once in a while, I guess, and smokes some meats. Yeah, I. Uh, it's not anything that really appeals to me, but it just um, makes beef jerky, right? Is that what you're trying to do? No, like people make um, like brisket and ribs and stuff um, mm. in in the smoker. Yeah, it's like a marinade, but smoke. Yeah, you you like infuse the shit with smoke. I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know. Okay, interesting. If you have not joined our Facebook group, I would suggest doing so. There's a lot of funny stuff on there and as well as relevant updates uh for anyone who's at all interested in law school or the lsat uh you can also give the thinking lsat facebook facebook page a like there's a link in the group or you can just think or search i guess at thinking lsat okay in facebook anyways you can also find us on twitter we're at thinking lsat nathan is at n fox i'm at olson benjamin you can find our services at strategyprep.com. That's my website. And Nathan's is foxlsat.com. Uh, I teach classes in D.C. and Nathan is in L.A. and San Francisco. We also have a bunch of one-on-one tutoring that we do online or live classes and online classes, uh, all sorts of stuff. And finally, our joint project, the LSAT Demon, which continues to... Um, improve as we pour our time and money and blood into this uh, tool, but we love it. We're getting a lot of positive feedback. Some people will say that they're, quote, addicted. I am glad to hear that, but I hope it's not ruining your personal life in some way, shape, or form. Well, they are going to law school, so... Oh, that is true. So <laughs> you might as well ruin it now. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So check out lsatdemon.com. Uh, it's basically a way for you to do LSAT questions on the go, and then get explanations from me and Nathan. Yeah, do it. That's man, getting addicted to it. That does sound good. Yeah, that does sound good. <laughs> I mean, that's what people <laughs> should be doing. Like 
they they should be if yeah if it's compelling enough that that it drives them to study more Mm -hmm. that's awesome that's that's great i mean sometimes students underestimate you know how much their competitors are working yeah that's Uh, true you know like i there, I get I get these students who like struggle to do their you know one practice test per week or something. Yeah, and it's like wow because there's lots of other people that are doing two tests a week plus lots of other drilling of different stuff. So anyway, yeah, if if uh, if the demon helps you to keep motivated and and keep working more, that's pretty great. Yeah, I I was just telling you, you know before we started recording that we are seeing. Um like four to 10 people sign up every day. So we definitely have had growing pains that you've mentioned before, and the site continues to grow. Um, But I will say that as we've worked out some of the bugs and continue to work them out and get all sorts of great feedback from everyone, thank you, by the way, I would say that the most interesting thing for me right now is seeing people sign up and then watching their progress. So we now have, I don't know if you know this, Nathan, I've been a little bit more involved on the admin side, but um, there's a tool that shows the questions they're doing, their difficulty level, and the actually for each user. I don't know if you... Have you seen that? I haven't looked at that yet, no. Yeah. So anyway, so I look at that, and the reason I'm looking at that is we're trying to figure out the best way to craft the algorithm. And so, as you might suspect, there's a lot to learn about learning algorithms. And so we have one in place, Um it doesn't always do exactly what we would expect it to do. And so part of our work on this is figuring that out and trying to understand. And we were just working on uh, the algorithm yesterday. And, you know, that's one thing that I'm addicted to now. Like I, <laughs> I was, uh, I left and I was, had to go teach class. But when I, when the students were working on practice problems, I was thinking about, okay, so <laughs> if someone is getting 85% correct in logical reasoning on these difficulty four questions in flaw questions, what would I expect them to do next if they got the next two wrong and all these things? It's, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I mean, a lot of people have already thought about this, but we're just trying to incorporate what other people have already discovered into something that's unique to the LSAT. Awesome. You know? So yeah, yeah thanks fun. for all your hard work on that, Ben. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I know. It's a lot of um, insider baseball stuff that may not be interesting to listeners, but I am addicted to it. So that's great. Glad to hear it. Yeah, should we jump into these addendums? I cannot wait. Do you want to tackle it? Sure. Okay. Ben, I hope the unperson class is going well. Is that supposed to be in person? I think it's in person. Yeah. Oh. Thank you again for the military discount. I'm doing my best to get through the work. I know you are a busy man, but I was hoping to get some perspective and your opinion on my addendums for my applications. I understand if you don't have the time, please use them in the podcast if you wish as well. Thanks for all you do. And we have redacted that name. Okay. GPA addendum. My LSAC calculated cumulative GPA is not a true indicator of my academic ability. I tried to start school prior to joining the military and quickly learned I wasn't ready Please take note of my, quote, degree summary GPA of 3.84. This does not include the grades from my early days of school and is more accurate depiction of my educational performance. Hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So, so first of all, let's talk about the content. Do you think that this is factual enough? I, I think there's too much, too many conclusions, and not enough just fact. Yeah. Like the first sentence, I don't like. My my LSAC calculated cumulative GPA is not a true indicator of my academic ability. Well, uh, you're not telling me anything though. Like I don't, I I need a fact. Yeah, that's your conclusion. That's not mm-hmm. a fact. Yep. And so you're not you're not convincing me by just telling me your conclusion. I I, I want you to just give me the fact. <laughs> so I also don't. Hmm. I tried to start school prior to joining the military and quickly learned I wasn't ready. This is just making excuses that aren't great. Yeah. Instead of saying that I would just recalculate a GPA post military and, you know, and, and like even for the very first sentence, just say my grade point average after the military, or you could even say my, my grade point average before the military was this, my grade point average after the military was this. Should, I wonder if he should even bring in the military. Why, why not just say my, cause he says, please take note of my degree summary GPA. Um, and then this does not include the grades from my early days of school. So many people struggle at the beginning of college because they're not focused. Right? Do we need to bring in the military? Maybe we just say, I didn't do as well, and my grades improved over time as I figured out how to <laughs> do school. Here's my GPA. Or even, I, just, I don't even know how to say that, right? Just say my, my grades improved as I, as I figured out how to do college. Yeah, I just think the military plays really well. It, it plays real well with me anyway. Like I, oh, when yeah? I, you okay. know, yeah, because I just – it means something. Like <laughs> – those people just have a lot of discipline. That's true. Mm-hmm. And so if he said, I mean, it could be real punchy. Like my grade point average before the military was this, my grade point average after the military was that I believe that my grade point average after the military is a more accurate reflection of my actual ability. I wonder if you even need to say that last part. Like, like you said, just say, Hey, my grade point average before, do we need to give the grade point average before? Or we just say it was lower. Yeah, sure. Okay. So just my grade point average after the military was this. I do think one sentence that just says this is a more accurate reflection of my academic ability. Of yeah, my, or of my, my current academic yes, ability. Yes, present, current, something like that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, two sentences. That's all it is in there. <laughs> one is a fact. The other is a conclusion, but it's very easy to accept that conclusion because it's not saying a whole lot. And it's coming after a very strong fact. 3.84 is great. Yeah. Um, and, and then, I mean, what do you think about that typo? Oh, yeah, you can't have any of these typos. I mean, that, it's just real, real bad. The sentence says, this does not include the grades from my early days of school, which is way too many words. But, mm-hmm. And then it says, and is more accurate depiction of my educational performance. Yeah, and man, read these you, things out loud. If you do that, boy, <laughs> I would much rather not have an addendum than have that in an addendum. Yep. By the way, we should say two more things about <laughs> writing here for people. Just, I think we've said this before, but 
people don't always hear it. This second sentence is, I tried to start school prior to joining the military. You never, ever have to use the phrase prior to. It's two words. You can always replace it with before. Yeah. And it's better. So don't ever use prior to ever in your life, ever again. And this second sentence, this is a super common mistake. It says, this does not include the grades from my early days of school and, and before the end, he puts a comma. And what he's doing is he's he's separating these two clauses, but the second clause is not an independent clause, so it should not have a comma before the and. I think I do that all the time in my writing. It's very common. Yeah. It feels like it's a whole new idea, but it, it's lacking the subject. You could fix it, though, and do comma and. It is more accurate. It is, more, it is a more accurate description of my educational performance. Anyways. Yeah. Okay, addendum. Okay, so now we have an LSAT addendum which says my LSAT scores have not been to the caliber that I expect for myself. Don't say that. (laughs) Don't even write that. Just, okay. So (laughs) I think it's true for everybody, right? Everybody expects themselves to be better than they actually are. This is all wrong in like 10 different ways. I mean, this is just like, this is angering me because I don't want to hear you whine about your LSAT score. This sentence also sucks. Like really sucks. My LSAT, I mean, my LSAT scores have not been to the caliber that I expect for myself. What? That's not, what is that? (laughs) That's not, you're, stop trying to sound, I don't know what that is. Is that like, maybe it's like sort of getting into that like military speak kind of a thing. But that's, it's just, you're using a phrase that you don't know how to use properly. So don't do it mm-hmm. to the count. Ca- this, it should say they are not, I don't know. Just go ahead and get rid of caliber because you're just not using it properly. Yeah. If you were to say the sentence and I wouldn't even say it, but my LSAT scores are not as high as I would expect. <laughs> yeah. You don't to the caliber that I expect for myself. Oh, all those words are so wrong. Just that whole sentence is gone. Okay. Due to my limited resources and free time with jobs, kids, and school, I fell short with my preparedness for my first two LSATs. Cut all that. That's just, again, just making excuses. Everybody's busy. So that's also a terrible sentence. I'm sorry, but this uh, student of yours is not a very good writer. No, no need to apologize. It's yeah, we need to just fix these up. Yeah, yep. you're like if you submit this to a law school, they're you're going to be judged. Like you you are being I am judging you right now. I <laughs> Do you feel me judging you? You're being judged. <laughs> it's just like and I I'm it's like I don't, you know, I don't I'm not actually like I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm saying you're a bad writer though. And like it, I don't want a bad writer at my law school. So you need to try harder maybe with your writing. Um, you need to read it out loud and make sure that it sounds cleaner, but you need to work on like, you need to read more and you need to write more and you need to practice this stuff because if you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be a professional writer. And like when I see this stuff, I mean, if this is in a boy, if this is imagine, I'm imagining like a cover letter for a job Yeah. and you're not, I'm not hiring you in my law office when you write this way. Just sorry. And anyway, yeah, don't whine about your jobs and kids in school because everybody has that stuff. Okay. Thanks to the generosity of my wife, 
I in, and she's it's just I don't care. That's not relevant. Yeah. I invested in an online preparation course that began at the end of September. I don't care. I don't care. Everybody takes an LSAT prep class. Why are you wasting my time? So, so far, those, all those sentences go. Goodbye. I am taking the LSAT for the final time on November 17th. What? And based on my more defined skill set, what does that mean? I expect a higher score than the first two. What? Please take note of my GPA and comma and letters of recommendation to gain a more accurate depiction of my academic potential. Okay. Um, completely inappropriate. Just 100% don't submit that. Yeah. You need to wait until you get your score and then have the facts. And even then, once you get a higher score, I don't necessarily think you need to explain your previous lower scores. You've got your higher score now. So yeah, we've said this before on the show. Um, if a school specifically asks you to explain why you have multiple scores on record, you tell them, I knew I could do better, so I took it again. Yep. And if they want to ask you more, they can ask you more, but they're not going to. Nope. And you don't need to whine about... You just, you make yourself look worse. It's amazing how often people do the exact opposite of what they're trying to do. Yeah, I think they feel like they can connect or the people would understand or become sympathetic, but you actually end up having the opposite effect <laughs> because now people realize why you're failing. And yeah. they don't necessarily sympathize with that. It, this happens, you know, it's so funny. I still remember some student a long time ago emailed me and was like, I'm sorry, I have to cancel my tutoring session with you and this was like an hour or half hour before the session uh. and you know it's like okay this happens if they had left it at that it would have been like no problem see you later they said i have to cancel my tutoring session with you because i don't want to walk there in the rain i was like what the <laughs> fuck? are you kidding me you just admitted that like <laughs> yeah totally you know? and i still like okay well when do you want to meet again but it's just like I think they think that somehow that's going to garner sympathy or something. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, gee, look how horrible it's just raining. It's so bad. Yeah. Think. So there's a dude in my <laughs> class right now, and um, I'm not going to say his name, but if he's listening to the podcast, sorry, but he, I have class tonight yeah. in LA. It's Wednesday night. I have class every Wednesday night. And he texted me. So he's he's been scoring like real low. He's like on the bottom of the class, right? And he texts me like, do we have class tomorrow? And I'm like, huh? <laughs> like just, sent, <laughs> I sent back like question mark. Yeah. And then he sent back a Halloween pumpkin and like a costume or something. <laughs> and I sent back, uh, yes, we have class tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, I just, I found it funny because it's like, you're scoring low and you're like not wanting to come to class because it's Halloween. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, like that's fine. I mean, by all means, like I, Hey, I don't want to be a lawyer either. Like I'm, you know, <laughs> I don't want to, I'm glad I'm not. But like, if you're going to be a lawyer, then you there ain't no Halloween for you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're on your grind. Like that's not Halloween is not a fucking national holiday. 
Like Halloween is nothing. Halloween is like, that's partying. Okay. You're a lawyer. You need to be studying, not partying. You need to be studying. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it makes me laugh because it's like, Meanwhile, there is, you know, there's people like this class, my class in LA right now is a bunch of rock stars, by the way. Um, it, well, it's, it's actually like, there's a, a pretty wide range of, in the class, but there's like four people that are scoring over 170. There's one girl who's got 180, like five times in a row. Wow. And, and, and by the way, those kids are studying their asses off. Like they're, they're meeting together, you know, study groups during the week, helping each other out. And they're like, they're really on their grind. Like the yeah. girl who got five one eighties in a row, she'll be there tonight on Halloween. She's not asking me if we're not having class because it's Halloween. Yeah. But you know, the people scoring one forty are like, I don't know if I can make it. Cause I got these other priorities. That's totally fine that you got all that you've got other priorities, but yeah. lawyers don't have other priorities. And, you know, so like when now looking back at this, at this LSAT, you know, addendum, which we're going to strike the entire thing. The second you start saying jobs, kids, school, I just think, okay, so you're not a lawyer. Like you, you, you're not prioritizing. You're not, (laughs) you don't understand the sacrifice that is required of you. Yeah. The fact that you would, that you would bring those things up. You know, like, mm-hmm. do you get when people are talking about LSAT prep? I sometimes I go, you know what I what I really want is an hour a day. Yeah. And then I get people who go, yeah, you know, I, I think I could I think I can. Uh, this would be a good time for me because right now I think I, I think I can do that with my schedule. Yeah. And I'm like, if you can't do that with your schedule, then you're not you're just not a lawyer. Like you're not understanding if you can't find an hour a day, then you're not a lawyer. Like it's just not, you're not, it's not the right time for you. And so I don't know what I'm trying to get across. Like you just have to decide that you're going to do it. You, it's, you, you are going to make it a priority in your life. Yeah. And if not, then that's fine, but it's not going to happen. You just do it. And, and then I don't need to know about your job and kids and school and, all that other shit because everybody has that. I mean, people get up at four in the morning <laughs> to like bust their ass. Yeah. That's, that's what lawyers look like, you know? And so anyway, this whole addendum needs to go. It sounds like he needs to wait, get his better LSAT score. Yeah. Okay. And then, then you might not need an addendum at that point. Well, you don't need an addendum about your LSAT score unless they specifically ask you. And see, the higher number is just going to trump the lower numbers anyway. Yeah. And if they really want to know why you have these other scores on your record, you just say, I knew I could do better, so I took it again. Yeah. What, what more do you want? I, 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 and, and by the way, scoreboard. Like, look at the number that I did eventually make. Mm-hmm. So do you really care about the lower numbers? Cause you're stupid. If you do care about those lower numbers, right? We've talked about that a million times. Yeah. Okay. Should we move on? Yeah. So we have, uh, Ezra's, uh, personal statements here. He's, he's submitted two to us. This is the man <laughs> who wrote the man with kind eyes statement. And I should add that these are not the only two statements that Ezra came back with. He actually wrote apparently five statements. So that would be a total of six statements. If you include the man with kind eyes, 
I only want to point that out because a super common complaint that we get about personal statements is that people don't know what to write about. They're boring. They've never done anything in their life. They come from a middle class family that never had any challenges. And it's like, uh, you've been on this planet. You've interacted with other homo sapiens. Uh, you've done things. I'm sure there are things to write about. And Ezra has somehow been able to write on six topics. One of them was a failure, at least. <laughs> um, maybe these two are failures as well, but there's not a lack of ideas out there. Yeah, everybody's got a million different ways they could go with it. That's what Anne was talking about when she was in class in Chicago. Yeah. she Remember she wrote that list of things down, up on the board? Yeah, she said that she could have written about being a mom, being a marathoner, being a business owner, being a college student, although that was a little outdated, she said. Uh, just think about things that define you. Who are you? Yoga are you teacher. an athlete? Yeah, a yoga teacher was another one. There's so many things that you can learn from those experiences that may not seem directly related to law school, but relate to your character or your work ethic or whatever. And those are things that are things that law schools want. So writing about them can convey them without saying them explicitly. I can't wait to see what Ezra wrote. Yeah. So here, I will jump into this first statement. Okay. And we'll see what he has to say. We have not seen this until now. Knowing I was many homeowners last resort before being evicted from their homes made outreach events at the nonprofit center for New York City neighborhoods an intense experience. <sighs> Makes me tired. Yeah, one thing that's uh, challenging here, Ezra, is that you're starting with not an actor, but the state of knowing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Knowing, so the subject of the sentence is, knowing I was many homeowners last resort before being evicted from their homes. Let's see here. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen lines. Your subject of the sentence, your first sentence, is thirteen words. Those 13 words make your subject, and then you have your verb made, which is made, outreach events at the nonprofit center for New York City neighborhoods and intense experience. <sighs> and those, uh, <laughs> instead of those 13 words, it could have been one letter. Yeah. I. I. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and then instead of made outreach events, blah, 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 and intense experience, which is telling instead of showing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You could just say. I was many homeowners last resort before being evicted, period. Ooh, that would be so much better. Um, that like, would just and then, tell us that yeah, you're this yeah. last resort, and that's an interesting fact, and it must be intense. What's it going would, on? Yeah, it would show me. If you show me, I will believe you. If you tell me, I will never fucking believe you. Stop telling me what to think. Instead, just show me what happened. Yep. I was many homeowners last resort before being evicted, period. And I go, damn, that must have been intense. Yep. But you, <laughs> you tell, tell me, me how intense. intense it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're like, was it really? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know. It probably wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. Good attorneys get the juries to draw their own conclusions. They don't tell you that the person was the murderer. They tell you a bunch of facts and then stop talking. And yep. you go, oh. 
they must have been the murderer. Yep. Even if they weren't. Yep. <laughs> Law school is a big experiment in teaching you how to lie. But in any case, um, the next sentence continues. I began attending these voluntary overtime events in communities throughout the five boroughs in June 2017 and developed many relationships with vulnerable homeowners. Okay, a little more factual. Mm, let's see what where this goes. Just offered- kind of boring. Like, there's not... It's like I began attending these events. Like that's your action. Yeah, is the the beginning of this the beginning no, of attending I these attended, events? I attended voluntary. I don't even know if you need to say voluntary. I attended. What are the events? Are they also overtime? Or, I overtime for what? Yeah, is it like you weren't? It's voluntary and overtime. <laughs> Are you getting paid or not? And I, like, I don't. Why do I care? Yeah, I, I want to know. A, and also, developed many relationships. You know, just tell me, just show me the relationships. Mm-hmm. Don't don't introduce the idea that you developed many of these. Just tell me about one of them. <laughs> like, give me give me some action here. What like what happened? What did you do? Yeah. Not I developed relationships because that's just so vague. What is that? Yep. What kind of relationships with who? What were you doing for them? Yeah. Right. So imagine, uh, Ezra, if your statement had started out like this. I was the last resort for many homeowners before they were evicted. I attended, I don't even know, like now all of a sudden, yeah, it does become very, it's like you attended meetings. That whole like, sentence can go. I don't Yeah. Know. Just cut that out and tell us who you met. And what you learned about him. What did you do? Like when yeah. you were their last resort, what did that mean? What did that look like? What, what happened? <laughs> yeah. don't, don't tell me I attended events. Like I would expect the next sentence to say something like, last year, for example, one family that I was working with had been evicted because yada, 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 or whatever. I mean, you don't want it to be too much about other people, but it may be necessary to understand what you're doing for them and how you help them. Yeah, I did this. I I helped them with this thing. Yep. They relied on me for this. Mhm. I was able to help them find this. Like say what you actually did, not just I developed relationships. The statement continues, I offered programs providing zero interest loans, home repairs, and disaster relief. I offered programs? You offered programs? What does that mean? You led programs. You helped them understand how to get zero interest loans. You didn't provide zero interest loans, did you? This is volunteer work. I'm confused. Well, no, I think, so I think this is a paid, it sounds to me like this is a paid job. And, but it was voluntary to do these overtime events. Oh, so you're it not sounds paid to, me like to he's go getting, to these events. I think he's getting paid overtime, but he didn't. It was an optional thing. He didn't have oh to do gosh. these events. He's just he's volunteering for the overtime. Well, that's bad. If you find out about that, you feel like you're trying to sell us that you're like this <laughs> do gooder, and then we're like, oh, you weren't actually a do. But he's also getting paid overtime. Yeah, <laughs> which is cut all half. that. Uh, that's not going anywhere <laughs> there. Um, yeah, I offered programs provide like no, we helped. We helped families get zero interest loans. Yeah, or I helped families get into our programs offering zero interest loans. I mean, 
you're, you're, when you say I offered programs, it sounds like you're the mastermind behind these programs. And I, that maybe that's true. If that's true, we need to make it more clear. You created programs or you offered programs or you helped them get into programs the organization that you're working for provides, right? Yeah. Like, okay. When I first began, Ezra continues, I had little success. Stop it. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. We <laughs> We've been spending a lot of, I've been spending more time than ever in personal statements these days because of our personal statement service, which you can learn more about at thinkinglset.com. Um, ben and I have been spending tons of time in people's personal statements and boy, do they turn out awesome. They turn out so awesome. They turn and out real awesome. So Ezra, I hope this makes you feel better. What I think, I don't know what you're about to say, Nathan, I'll let you talk. And then I have something <laughs> to say about <laughs> all the statements that we've done. Yeah, but go ahead. Well, stop, stop making yourself look like a loser. Like why <laughs> you're supposed to be putting your best foot forward. Yeah. You're supposed to be emphasis. You're supposed to be selling yourself. Yeah. You make yourself look so minor league by saying I had little success. I don't want someone who had little success. I want someone who is a kicking ass. <laughs> like, people think that they have to have like an arc, like a, like there has to be a, you know, you have to be really down, down and out. And then you have to come roaring back. No, let's just only have the successes. I don't need the, I had little success. That's like, okay, so you're not good at your job. Like you're not that smart. You're not that ta what talented. You're not like, huh? <laughs> I just don't, I don't want to hear about that shit. I want to hear about you winning. Yeah. That's all. I and mean, we see so, this all yeah. the time. That's why I'm so pissed off about this is because everybody does this. Everyone loves talking about like they just love downplaying everything they've ever done and they love talking about all their failures. I just I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, so two thoughts on that. One is we did have a statement that we just finished up, I think that did talk about a failure and that failure was central to the overall story, but it was short. It was like one or two sentences and then it jumped right into the solution to the problem and how the solution was successful. And the whole rest of the statement was like that. I'm thinking of another statement that we uh, just finished up as well. I, when we first started with that statement, the whole thing was paragraph after paragraph after paragraph about failure. I, we, we were done with that. I was like, what, <laughs> what, what was this? Like, yeah. you're just continually trying to convince me that you suck. Like, I, no offense, but um, that's how we walk away from it, right? I was, I was telling my class last night, people sign up for this package, which is, um, you know, it's not cheap uh, in some ways uh, for some people, but <laughs> we, uh, it's good to have people that on some level don't care about you, right? Like we care about your success because we want you to do well and so forth, but we don't know you a lot of times. It's just like we've met you via email and we're not your mother and father. We're not your friends and family. And so when we read this stuff, we don't know anything about you. And we just tell it how it is, like how some random person in some loan, you know, some admission office out in New York is going to look at your statement as soon as they get it and start rolling their eyes. But the thing I wanted to say earlier, sorry, a little tangent there, but the thing I wanted to say before you mentioned this thing about success is that... Um, I'm surprised by how bad every statement is that we start with. Every statement that we've started with with this service is awful, despite the fact that 
pretty much everyone has a pretty compelling story to tell. Right? I'm thinking of the music personal statement that we did. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, people would listen to the final product and say, well, I don't have a life like that, so I can't write a cool statement like that. Yeah, but all these statements started out bad. They're either focusing too much on failure or they're too arrogant. Like, there's too many statements where people, like you said, are drawing conclusions. So anyways, Ezra, uh, the long and short of this is that most people are horrible at writing about themselves. And that's good news for everyone out there who's actually trying to work on this, because I can't imagine how many bad personal statements law schools are getting. They're real bad. I mean, I yeah, I... My students, you know, I, I always offer to read a draft. Anybody who's in any of my classes, I, I'll always read a draft for them and they send them to me. And I, I, uh, <laughs> I just, I really do look at that and go, okay, I'm going to give you a bunch of feedback here. I can't though spend the time to like fully edit this for you. And boy, if you we're doing the thing for me with me and Ben, <laughs> this would be so much better, dramatically better, <laughs> like not even close. And then I, I cringe though, because I know they're not going to do it and it's fine. I mean, I don't expect everybody has $2,000 to spend, you know? Yeah. But people are real bad at telling their story and they're real bad at writing like real bad. Yeah. And it's just, and smart people, you know, like people scoring 165, 170 on their LSAT and they just still are are just not 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 good at writing. Yeah. Anyway. So Ezra continues. This is about he had just said when I first began I had little success with these programs. An example was one was one of my first events at a holiday dinner in Queens, New York. <sighs> That that you you don't need an entire sentence dedicated to telling us that you're going to give us an example. I, 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 Ezra's not trolling us, is he? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I and your subject of your sentence is an example. Yep. And your verb is was. Yep. An example was. Mm. You can it, if you're going to give an example, and by the way, people almost always put the phrase "for example" at the beginning of their sentence. It should be neatly put in somewhere mid sentence. So you could say, "At a holiday dinner in Queens, New York, for example, I did yada yada." If and you're you actually going to say this, no, don't even say "for example." Just we understand that this is not that this, we understand that it's an example. Yeah. Like I get yeah. it. I understand that this is not the only thing you did at that job. So yeah. I'm o- I'm okay with cutting it. I'm okay with including it too. So I, I sometimes I see it as like a transition word that fine. helps side yeah. of flow things, but I'm I'm cool with cutting it. Here but I'll I'll agree with you on that. This one. is a whole sentence that just says an example was one of my first events at a holiday dinner in Queens. New York. Okay, first of all, you're already in New York. You already were talking about the five boroughs. Yep. This whole it could be it could say the sentence it it needs to say at a holiday dinner in Queens, comma, and then tell me what the fuck you're going to talk about. Stop yeah. introducing it so much. Yeah, this reminds me of another thing. Whenever we're reviewing these statements, we're always cutting out sentence after sentence after sentence and people will write us and be like, "My statement is so short." It's like <laughs> 
And way better. Yeah, you need to write four pages so that we can cut it down to a page and a half. Yeah. This is... Okay. Anyway, so it continues. After I set up... After I set up and introduced myself to homeowners, they shared stories about illnesses leading to tax liens and foreclosure situations stemming from unaffordable mortgage interest rates. I attempted to refer them to the specific programs that I that could assist with each problem. Just as I began to make the first referral, a microphone boomed across the room. Please find your seats as we begin the ceremonies. I froze as the homeowners walked away to their tables. During hours of speeches, songs, and a mad rush to the buffet, no time was left in the events program for them to access the resources at my table. And I was unsure how to approach them. I felt frustrated knowing another outreach event had failed and saddened that many of those I spoke with could lose their homes. That's, that's, a, that's a whole paragraph dedicated to the idea that you failed because someone interrupted your presentation. I don't see that as much of a failure. I don't, I don't even understand what's going on. Who, who's getting on the microphone here? Where are speeches and songs come? Oh, it's a holiday event. Yeah. So it's a mad rush to the buffet and nobody wants to talk to Ezra. Uh, it just sounds like you showed up at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, like you shouldn't you're, you're have been there. You're not a failure. Like, well, or you are a failure. Like, why are you trying to talk about zero interest loans at a fucking Christmas party. Yeah. <laughs> like people are trying to get drunk and get laid and you're like, they're trying to did, talk did you about just say get laid. <laughs> yes, I did. It's a fucking Christmas party. What do you think? Like <laughs> what? I, I don't know. Sorry. I, I'm just making sure my, my headphones are working here. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm very confused. I, it's like, Ezra's like, I don't know how to, I, I'm frustrated with my outreach efforts. Because I'm at the Christmas party where people are trying to get drunk and like have fun and yeah, get laid. And I'm try- I just don't understand why they don't want to come talk to me about disaster relief and home repairs. Yeah. I'm very confused. I really like, what is this? What, yeah. <laughs> what party is this where it's a holiday party with music and a buffet? What? And a table about eviction? What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't I'm real confused maybe he was trying to make inroads he's like oh we can go to this holiday dinner and find people who are in need I I don't know (laughs) it just uh, yeah okay I don't know I mean that doesn't sound like a holiday dinner to me doesn't doesn't sound like an appropriate thing to be doing at a holiday dinner but I mean and so and the fact that it's not successful just makes me go, oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have been there either. I would have been at the bar. I mean, I, okay, all right. So this next sentence, by the way, is super common as well. Ezra, don't feel bad, but don't say this. The next paragraph starts, I was determined to improve. Just show yep. us that you wanted to improve by showing us what you decided to do. He continues, I asked a seasoned manager if there was a guide or resources to draw from to help me prepare for these outreach events. She explained that despite a staff of over 100, the center had not yet even created a checklist, let alone developed outreach event protocol. She admitted it was something she had wanted to work on for years. 
This explained some issues from the holiday dinner. There had been no planning, and the event organizers had not prepared for our presence. But it was too easy to chalk my failure up to a lack of structure. Uh, don't use the phrase chalk up. <laughs> um, okay, I guess I'll just keep reading this. Yeah, I'm theme wise, I, I like get to the point where you win because I don't want to hear about you. This sounds like it's ma- all I can think. I mean, because I don't know you and I don't know your organization. This all just sounds like real minor leagues. You're involved in some organ, like it's a shitty organization that's poorly <laughs> planned. You're failing. I'm like, and what? Why are you a good lawyer again? Like, yeah. So we what? could cut this all out, Ezra. And yes. I, I, what if your statement started like this? I was the last resort for many homeowners before being evicted. And then the next sentence is like, to help improve the name of your organization's outreach efforts, comma, I decided to create an outreach event protocol or something. I mean, I don't like the word protocol, but the idea is first sentence is I was the last resort. Second resent, second sentence is this is what I did to make this organization's system better. We don't need any of this failure. We don't need any of their failure. We just need you came in, you solved the problem. This is how you solve the problem. I'm not even sure if this is going to be an interesting problem to solve, but it would be one step in the right direction. Yeah. This is all just real boring, though. Like, I would rather hear about the actual service that you provided to these people. Like, really? You're going to tell me how you created a checklist and a protocol? Well, so I think that could actually be useful if we saw how it helped more people and then talked about specific people that were helped because of this outreach effort, right? Like, because that is a thing. I mean, protocol... There's individual stories, right, of helping people, and maybe he needs to jump into that first and then step back and show how he did that, made that more uh, accessible to a lot more people. That's significant. That's one thing that we're trying to deal with, right, is just numbers. But anyways, so he continues, the enormous challenges in these outreach events often made staffing them difficult, but for, for me... The very difficulties, difficulties driving staff away drew me in. Just cut that entire thing. Um, I saw the event disorganization as an opportunity to fix these flaws and create lasting positive change. I began attending dozens of events. I, again, just cut all that. That's all telling. I'm amazing. I, I want to do things. I want to help people. Just tell us how you help them. Uh, the more so I attend- much with the attending events, too. Yeah. We're just attending all the events here. You show up at events. Great. Ooh, (laughs) next paragraph. The more I attended, the more I learned. (laughs) I cornered senior staff in the lunchroom to learn about the programs they had created so I could assist a variety of people's needs. I became an expert in revitalization programs to help low-income (sighs) homebuyers. Again, I became an expert. We just have to believe that you're an expert. I studied disaster relief programs and even managed to get one-on-one training from the center's general counsel to learn how to access legal resources. I studied disaster relief programs. So how do you show that you're an expert? You show that you're an expert by talking about what you did and how other people responded to that effort. So for example, saying that you were then promoted to take on a new project in a similar field shows that other people saw you as an expert without you coming out and saying, I became an expert. 
So sometimes I think people wonder how to even say this stuff without coming out and just saying it. Uh, if you want to say that you're an expert, show that you're an expert by showing what other people did in response to what you did. Yep. Anyways, months later, I attended another event at the nonprofit <laughs> Neighborhood Housing Services of Brooklyn. Wow. <laughs> every paragraph here is starting, starting with something Li- about... Literally every paragraph has I attended events. <laughs> Every every fucking one of them. Wow. Okay. Okay. This time I felt excitement at not knowing what to expect. I am really tired of people saying, I felt this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's also telling. Yep. Show me what's happening, not t- describe your feelings. Yeah. <sighs> the N- NHS director greeted me. You must be the legal guy, as she signaled to a long line of homeowners with legal issues. I was not the legal guy. Wait, so why did you just tell us that that story? Thinking fast, I asked if she had a computer. She showed me to her own desk, where I began meeting with clients one at a time to enter them into our system, answer questions, and refer them to legal resources. Wow, now I'm actually seeing you do stuff and taking initiative. That's kind of nice. And you never said, I took initiative. I solved problems. Yeah. <laughs> Each one presented a unique challenge and required me to draw on every resource I had been preparing. Even my Mandarin and Spanish skills came in handy as I helped one homeowner after another. Okay. Um, <laughs> you just slipped back into telling. <laughs> you could totally bring up the fact that you were using your Mandarin and Spanish. Yeah. But... Each one presented a unique challenge. Yeah, yeah. Required me to draw on every resource I had been preparing. It's like, it's so much like a natural disaster or something. Yeah, and it's overselling it so hard. It's like, it, it makes me feel like you're just squeezing every last drop out of this. And it, it has the exact opposite of the intended effect. It makes it seem like not a big deal because you're selling it so fucking hard. Yeah. Just say what you did and stop describing it. I don't yeah. want to know that it was a unique challenge. I don't want to know that you had to draw on every resource you had been preparing. Just say what the fuck you did for these people. Yeah, I mean, listen to these this prior sentence, right? I would drop the phrase thinking fast. That's uh, that's yeah. selling and <laughs> telling. Just totally. Say, yeah. <laughs> I asked if she had a computer. She showed me to her own desk where I began meeting with clients one at a time. You don't need to, one at a time either. You don't need uh, we one know time. you're meeting with them one at a time. I met with clients to enter them into our system, answer questions, and refer them to legal resources. This shows there's no yeah. adverbs in here. There's no I am awesome, I am this, I am that. It's just facts, but it's actually persuasive. I'm thinking here, oh, Ezra's the kind of guy who encounters a problem and takes action to solve the problem on his own. Like, this is saying so much about you that none of the rest of the statement has said. All these words have done nothing, but this right here has made me think, oh, Ezra's a solve-it kind of dude. Anyway, he continues, It was not long before everyone at the center knew of my experience with the outreach events. I was invited to share ideas at event meetings, (laughs) and my manager eventually came to me with a specific project. She wanted me to develop a new event protocol. <laughs> okay. It's good that you're telling us that other people want you to do stuff, yep. but I still feel like this is, um, I don't know. It's too, 
it's too broad. So many meetings too. It's still with the meetings. They're still with the events and the meetings. Well, this 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 first sentence too. It was not long before everyone at the center knew of my experience with the outreach events. Like what? Like oh, you're so famous. Like it just (laughs) it it doesn't. It seems like overselling. Yeah. And so it would just be better to say if you this next sentence. I was invited to share ideas at event meetings. To me, that means like oh, people saw you as someone who is knowledgeable and. Sure. And uh, experience, and therefore they asked you to start talking at them. Yep. Anyways, in June 2018, I stood at the head of a conference room in the front of the center's senior staff. I presented software I developed to track events and generate a guide tailored specifically to each one. This included event descriptions, addresses, organ- and organizers along with a checklist of what to bring, website links to various resources, neighborhood demographics, persons of interest, and more. The software would also send them an email link to a survey I created to feed into the same database, allowing the center to track successes and failures for continual improvement. My work enabled center staff to attend events fully prepared. Since then, the Center for New York City Neighborhoods has hired a full team of in-person outreach staff and canvassers and direct assistance is stronger than ever. Today, my program is the standard protocol for center staff to prepare for, record, and track events. Well, hmm. I wouldn't say that this isn't a theme that you could write about, but you need to cut out a lot more and I think help us understand a little bit more about the challenges of these events uh, to understand the power or effectiveness of your protocol. Otherwise, right now, it it seems a little strange. I'm also a little surprised by the claim that I presented software I developed. Yeah, totally. I was about to jump on that. Um, are you are you a coder, or did you work with a team <laughs> to develop this software? If so, or did you make a spreadsheet? Yeah. <laughs> like, is it actually software, or is it a word document with some links in it? Yeah. Software I developed. What what does the software do? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I the 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 end has you know it's like success here at the end, which is good. I like yeah. that. You know, this is this is definitely um like initiative. Although if your manager brought you the project, then maybe it's just like she told you what to do. Yeah, I was a little surprised about that. It's interesting because it's it's like the manager is asking Ezra to do it, so it does show that she has some trust or you know, yeah, um, value in him. But at the same time, it kind of loses that. Oh, I saw this problem, and which I thought he's what he was going to say at the beginning. It felt like he was saying, "Oh, there's this problem, and I was going to like solve it." But instead, it sounds like he kind of backed off, and then she was finally like, "Hey, we we solve this." <laughs> so I don't I don't know what to make of that, but. Anyways, yeah, my I there does seem like there's a little kernel of something here, especially in the second half of this, that you, could be workable. But I'm kind of like, well, what else you got? Yeah, I, I, I would love to see another idea. So here we go. Here we go. I concluded my speech from U.S. Senator Edward M. Kennedy's desk on the Senate floor, and the chamber burst into applause. I looked out at the 100 iconic Senate desks the 113-foot domed chamber, the marble busts of the vice presidents, and almost forgot that I was not in Washington, D.C. I was performing in an exact scale replica of the U.S. Senate chamber at the Edward M. Kennedy Institute for the United States Senate 
in Boston, Massachusetts. Wow, that that first paragraph is way better than your last first paragraph. I'm not exactly sure where this is going, but at least I can see you doing something. Yep, at least there's action here, and we have I as the subject of these sentences. I'm a little bit unsure theme-wise about, because it's kind of like a bait-and-switch a little bit. It is a little bit of a bait and switch. You were at the US you were at the Senate floor, but you weren't. <laughs> yeah. I was on I made a speech on the Senate floor, but then wah wah wah. It was actually a scale replica. I almost forgot that I was not in Washington, DC, and I wanted you to think I was, because that yeah. would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially because like the chamber burst into applause. I know. You're like, you know? what? Oh my gosh. I'm like, damn. And then it, and then it's like but it wasn't real. It was just a fake thing. Sorry. Actually, it's not at all what that sounded like it was. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, that's, I, that was my first, that's my first, I did glance at this yesterday. Mm. And I, when I, I saw that and I was just like, I don't think you can go that route with it. That's too much of a ripoff. Yeah. The one, the, the one thing too is when it said, and the chamber burst into a pause. totally i was yeah. like really like oh like you don't even believe it's true yeah for like, one thing <laughs> he concluded his speech and everybody's just like whoa yeah and it's like <laughs> wow ezra like ezra's just what up did there, you like, just say to them he's just like no please calm down everyone please please i know that you're it's, it's like they're all crying <laughs> Just they're carrying Ezra around on their shoulders around the chamber. <laughs> We've talked about this before too. Even if something is true, you might not be able to say it if it's unbelievable because exactly. people won't believe yeah. it. So yeah. I'm not saying it's not true, Ezra. I'm just saying it's a sentence I would be raising my eyebrow at and going, hmm? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then and then the fact that it's like a fake thing anyway. Yeah, and then it turns out, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, my initial hesitation was justified because it wasn't a bunch of senators or onlookers. It was (laughs) your fellow actors. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, continuing on with the second paragraph. This speech was Ted Kennedy's vision. The senator dreamed of opening a replica Senate to the public to serve as a center for public policy, history, and political education. In September 2014, I was among the original staff that opened the Institute. As a member of the Visitor Experience team, I designed programs that recreated historical moments, such as my speech above. Our team was tasked with building programs to engage visitors and students in the legislative process by participating in mock Senate trials from scratch by a deadline of March 30, 2015. That sentence is way too wordy and like, I don't, why do I care about the exact date of the deadline of this? What? Yeah. I thought we might have some wiggle room until we got a call from president Barack Obama saying he would be arriving for the opening on that day. The pressure was on. Hey, sorry to interrupt you here, but I've noticed this in Ezra's first statement and his second one. He tends to drop the word that where he really should include it. Hmm. So it says President Barack Obama saying he would be arriving for the opening that yeah. day. Whenever you say saying, arguing, claims, blah, 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 insert the word that after that to clarify 
that that's what he was saying. Anyways. Okay. So, you know, here I'm, man, a call from the president. I think maybe you want to lead with that. Yeah. Like instead get, of a fake, uh, <laughs> instead of a fake speech that you made, I <laughs> got a fake applause. Yeah. How about start with the president gave you guys a deadline? Yeah. Because that's the, really the president and that's really a thing. Like he's going to show up. That's a big fucking deal. Yeah. So how would you say this sentence? If it was going to be like a first sentence? Yeah. Because we got oh, also hmm. ain't, ain't going to be no the pressure was on. That's, that's, <laughs> it's fucking the president, dude. You don't need to say the pressure was on. Yeah, we that's get, telling what you just showed us. So we're good. Yeah, we had six months until the president or, would arrive. Something like that, you know? Like, you tell the story of opening this thing, for sure. Yeah. But <laughs> leading with the you, with you making a fake speech, <laughs> it's, so, it's so lame compared to we had to open this shit for the president. Yeah. Huh. Okay. We started at square one with no office, workstations, or computer desks, let alone the Senate replicas, exclamation point. Oh, dear God. Don't put an exclamation point in your personal statement. Yeah. Everybody's exclamation point privileges are permanently revoked. Yes. (laughs) Even the building itself was under construction. Most of the staff... Well, hold up. That's a fragment. Yeah. Most of the staff were lost in the barren environment, but as a double major in political science and theater arts, I saw the giant open room as a rehearsal stage waiting for a set. <sighs> that is like trying so fucking hard. Yeah. I was a double major. Red flag. Hey, look at me. Yeah, it's like, oh, wow, because like now you're a college kid. Yeah, and because you got a double major, you can see things that most of the staff can't. (laughs) Like, I highly doubt your education gave you the insight. (laughs) It's like, well, I have an MBA and a JD, (laughs) so I can tell. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um uh, okay. Furthermore, this whole thing is literally a stage, right? It, if I'm understanding what this is, yeah, it's a replica Senate. Yeah. So it is a stage. So like Ezra now is reaching this with his double major, he's able to perceive that this is a stage, but it's actually literally, that's what it is. So <laughs> I don't, that sentence does nothing for me. That it's even more strange when you say that as a double major in, in political science and theater arts, I saw the giant open room as a th- rehearsal stage waiting for a set. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's yeah. literally what it is. <laughs> I don't, what the fuck is it supposed to be? It's a replica Senate where they're going to do fake speeches. It is a stage. It is a demonstration thing. Yeah. That's the whole point of it. But now no one else sees that except for you because of your double major. You could say as a student preparing for the L set, <laughs> I saw the giant open room as a rehearsal stage waiting for a set. <laughs> I don't know. 
I drew from this political and theatrical background of over two dozen stage performances. Oh, again, you're trying to slip in like, look at what I've done. Oh dear, it goes on. I this shit makes me angry. I I don't. People need to try harder. You are I I I don't. I know you think you're trying hard, but you're not trying hard enough. Like maybe writing five personal statements was not the best call because you could just write one fucking good one instead of writing five shitty ones. Like this sentence is, it does, it makes me angry. I'm sorry. I drew from this political and theatrical background of over two dozen stage performances, comma, being a Senator in the student government, comma, and organizing Elizabeth Warren's Senate campaign. Yeah, that sentence is not parallel, for so it's hard to follow. And it just feels like you're trying so hard to be like, look at all this stuff that I've done. Is he trolling us? I don't think so. Did you really send us that fucking sentence, Ezra? Look, to be fair, these are how all personal statements are. Yes, I know. That's true. Right? Like That's everything true. we read, we're just like, oh my gosh, start over, do this again. We go back and forth with the people that we work with, what, 40 times? I feel like yeah. it's just constantly back and forth. Try again, try again, try. This is awful. <laughs> Why are and you saying we, this? <laughs> if you want to know what it's going to be like, it's like what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, that is right. Yeah. If you're a masochist, you could pay us $2,000 and we will beat the shit out of you. That's what happens. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's the, and then, and then how about we like make all these edits and then they go in and fix it, except they just completely break it again. And yeah. then we come through and fix it again. And then we have to, eventually we have to say, please don't touch this anymore. <laughs> we are, it. no, I mean it like, <laughs> yeah, we say we, that for half of them. Yeah. Yeah. Not for everybody, but for, for, for at least half of the people, we need to be the last ones to touch this before you submit it. Like literally don't change anything because if you do, you will fuck it up. <laughs> like the, I can't believe Ezra. Okay. We beat the shit out of Ezra that first time that he sent a personal statement and still he sends us, he sends us that sentence, like knowing that it's going to go on the podcast. Well, it, to, yeah, yeah. I guess he doesn't good. know any better. But this, I, I mean, this, this statement is a lot. Cl- it's a lot better than his first attempt, right? Like he's learned some things, but he's got a he's got a long way to go. And that's true for a lot of people. I mean, really, what we're expecting of them is to be writers like Stephen King. I mean, that's kind of how we read each sentence. You know, we're looking at these sentences. We're like, bad, 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 and people just don't know. I think a lot of people also go out of college. Having taken a lot of stupid classes where I feel like the most fundamental skills are math and writing, and they don't get that. I don't know why. Yeah, I, 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 am, uh, I am very disappointed in the state of our universities. Like, people, I, I can't understand why people can't write better. I, I don't get it. I yeah. mean, this sentence here, though, like, okay, so... Ben, you've been making me laugh lately on some of the comments that you put into the personal statements <laughs> or emails that you send to people <laughs> when you put all caps, like print this out and read it out loud because this sentence, I'm going to read it one more time. If you read this out loud and you thought that it was a good sentence, then you should not go to law school. Okay. 
I drew from this political and theatrical background of over two dozen stage performances, being a senator in the student government and organizing Elizabeth Warren's Senate campaign. Can you imagine writing that and just being like, yes, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. <and> magnificent. <laughs> and they burst into it's applause. A, it's a work of art. <laughs> sentence is garbage. Oh my God. Okay. Let's get through the rest of this. My proficiency with scripts, staging, and knowledge of the legislative process led the managers to put me in charge of a team of interns. That's really telling, you know, you're, you're just like bragging about your abilities instead of just saying what you did. Yeah. You were, I was in charge of a team of interns to, yeah, to do what? Stop telling me about your proficiency in these things and start showing me you leading a team of interns to do this shit. Yeah, and by the way, if you just say, I was in charge of a team of interns, that alone tells us so much. We're like, oh, for whatever reason, this guy got a job somewhere, and for whatever reason, someone decided to put him in charge. So you must have some skills, but you don't need to shove those skills down my throat. And so now I just assume that you have them. But as soon as you start saying you have them, I start thinking, "Mm, maybe you don't. It's you just human just, psychology. People just got to say what they did. Just say what happened. Here's what I did. I don't, I don't need any editorializing. I don't need you describing your skills and like rehashing your double major and your proficiency and all these talents. Like I don't just say what happened. Um, okay. Soon I was supervising dress rehearsals for the first trial runs of the Senate immersion module sim where guests would become senators and draft mock legislation. Okay, that's how I can accept that because it's like you're telling me what actually happened. Sure. This opportunity brought fresh challenges. Okay, never say any of that. As the interns jostled for the larger roles and rehearsals frequently ground to a halt as conflicting opinions arose. It was hard not to get caught up in the chance to perform as all eyes were on us, quite literally. With members of the Kennedy family watching us rehearse. Now it just seems like childhood infighting. Honestly. It's weird. Right. I, it's like, I don't care about this because you, everybody wants to be up on the state. Like, what? I thought you were building a thing. I thought you were opening a thing for the president. And now you're telling me about interns wanting bigger roles so that they could be more on stage and all eyes were on us members of the Kennedy fan. I don't, don't, don't ever say quite literally either. That's just barred period. Every, yeah, quite literally, especially <laughs> <Not> just literally. <laughs> yeah. Don't say quite literally. And I think basically no one should say literally because people yep. don't, nobody uses it. Right. I mean, here you are using it correctly, but you don't need obnoxious. to say it. You don't yeah. need to say it. If you say that members of the Kennedy family were watching us rehearse, you're like, Oh, it's actually true. Yeah. And, totally. and why why say all eyes were on us? Just just say that many the Kennedy's the Kennedy family members were watching us. If you want to say that, if you want to emphasize that importance, but it's just this flowery bullshit. Instead of just saying what happened, you have to like over you know over embellish it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Kennedys were watching. Okay, great. The Kennedys were watching. Yeah. What else you got? I developed a systematic approach to the quote casting of the interns, which rotated roles and scheduled specific times for notes to avoid wasting time. It's hard for me to follow the sentence, but one thing you, you said that casting was in quotes 
People put things in quotes all the time for no reason. <laughs> we know what casting is, and this is acting, so it is casting. So you could just say the word casting. Yeah, it's like they're trying to hide from the <laughs> reality of what's being said or something. Like, oh, not really casting. Like, I, I don't, it is. There's, there's so many words here that are doing nothing. I developed a systematic approach. Oh, it sounds like a more amazing wow. approach than a regular approach. The other must be like a super, wow, boy, that sounds like it was intense. <laughs> I developed a systematic approach. And, and, and then at the end, to avoid wasting time. I was like, that's such a letdown. Like, wah, wah. You scheduled specific times for notes to avoid wasting time. <laughs> Fuck off. God damn it. All right. As the clock ticked. The team and I ran dozens of practice rounds of the beta sim for groups of 100 students from Boston high schools. Eventually, the building was completed, as was a preliminary sim. You keep saying sim. It's what? Yeah. I mean, you told us what that was, but I don't. It doesn't do anything. I, that's not adding anything to the case. Senate I, immersion module. Like, what? What does that even mean? Like, that's your recreation of the Senate. Like, yeah, I don't know. Our yeah, re- it's a it's a Senate replica. It's interesting, yeah, just, actually. Yeah, just refer but, to it as the replica, or <laughs> or something else. But stop saying sim, and I don't really need Senate immersion module. <laughs> That's such a who named that? Oh my god! Sounds like government, you know, government. Yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, and other programs, such as the recreation of the historic civil rights bill with Ted Kennedy's first Senate speech mentioned above. Oh, if I wasn't bald, I would pull out all my hair. <laughs> I. It's like, oh fuck me. Okay. On March 30, we were fully prepared as the president, first lady, and vice president joined us for the momentous opening. And that's the end. (sighs) Except for then we have an optional paragraph and an optional ending. Can I compliment Ezra on one thing here? Please. He did not capitalize president, first lady, and vice president in the last sentence, which is correct because their names are not being joined to those phrases. If you say President Obama, then president should be capitalized. If you say the president by itself, not in reference to anyone's specific name, then it should be lowercase. But people capitalize things all the time that we have to uncapitalize in our personal statement service. Yes. Good job, Ezra, on that. Yeah. It makes me cringe. That sentence, the way it ends with, with Ted Kennedy's first Senate speech mentioned Mentioned above. above. I should have said aforementioned speech. <laughs> aforementioned. <laughs> it's like, if you didn't notice, <laughs> I already talked about this and I got great applause for it. Yeah. Ezra, you probably, you need, you need help with your personal statement. Like you don't have to pay us for, for it, but you got to get help. I mean, I, and I know that he's been doing this uh, personal statement, like trading personal statement reviews and stuff on, on the Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah. But if this went through that process, then I cannot endorse that process. Nope. Because this writing is not good at all. Like it's broken sentences. It's just poor grammar. It sounds so clunky. It's just not doing any, it's just not working at all. Yeah. Um, you know, the theme of writing about this opening, I could totally get into it. 
Yeah. This sounds like an achievement. It sounds like a big ass project. It sounds like you were well involved in it. The president came to the opening. Like you ha- you've got a hook there for a little bit of a drama, you know, that you can say we had six months to open this thing because Barack and Michelle were coming. I mean, that's, that's, that's good. That's like, it sound that sounds like big leagues actually. Yeah. I think this is a statement that if written well would be one of those statements that other people say, Oh, I can't write great statements cause I don't have anything to write about. And Ezra has so much to write about. Um, I never had the president come see what I was doing. Yeah, that's probably true. But you have something in your life. Ezra has something in his life here too, to write about, but it's just not being conveyed. Well, I feel like We've said this so many times. People write in and they say, hey, can I write about X? And we're like, yeah, you can write about X. It just depends. Yeah, how you do it. And here, uh, you didn't do it very well. And so (laughs) you need to cut out sentences that are telling us and not showing us. You need to cut out bragging, but at the same time, sell yourself by telling us what you did. So it's an art, but it's... It's not an art that is totally random. It's very <laughs> actually systematic. It's write sentences that say what you did and focus on the things that you did well and focus on facts. So you are selling yourself. You're just not selling yourself by explicitly coming out and saying, I'm awesome. And write shorter sentences and read it out loud and spend more time editing it. Yeah. And just make sure that it's readable because this is not readable. And and focus on details. I feel like so many times we cut out a billion sentences and then we're like, ooh, this sentence is interesting. Can you tell us more about what happened here? <laughs> like you had to cast people and you had to organize something. You were in charge of some team of interns. Can you tell us more about what you had to do in your management role? I would love a lot more facts about that. That would tell yep. me so much more about you. It was like, remember that one he said at the beginning in his first statement, he said he's, he asked for a computer, he sat down, he started working with people. There's yep. a lot of little facts, short facts in there that expand on one micro incident in your life, micro experience, one small story. But at the same time, each of those facts started to tell me more yeah. about you and make me draw conclusions about you that are positive. Show me who you spoke Mandarin to. Yes. Show me who you spoke yes. Spanish to. Yeah. And then you don't have to say my Spanish and Mandarin skills. <laughs> Instead, you just say, I helped this person. I I was I spoke Mandarin to this person. It's like, holy shit. Wait, what? Mandarin? What just happened? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let me run through these optional paragraphs so that we can get a couple more chuckles and then we gotta we gotta move on to something else. This is yeah. too much. Um okay, so here's an it says optional paragraph. I don't know where Ezra intends to put this, but um operating the Institute for Public Use was just as exciting as opening it. The completed programs gave me the freedom to develop the programs further, writing different sims ranging from healthcare to immigration. To the team's surprise, I even presented a Godzilla simulation in which senators would try to pass legislation about the incoming monster. Um, I would say like to deal with the incoming monster or to defend against the incoming monster or something like that. Not yeah. just legislation about, about the monster. Yeah. Oh, let's, <laughs> let's talk about him. Yeah. Despite the deadline being lifted, the national spotlight kept the pressure high. Eh, that's not a very good sentence. kind of lame. Once, after I performed Kennedy's speech, a guest asked me, quote, are you an actor? End quote. I turned to discover it was Sir Ian McKellen. Oh, my gosh. 
This is like I want people to know I'm a good actor, <laughs> so I'm gonna throw in this like. <laughs> That's cameo. amazing. That uh, is amazing. I'm just gonna name drop Sir Ian McKellen because he asked me if I'm an actor. Are you an actor? I couldn't tell. I thought for a minute that you were. <laughs> I, I thought, <sighs> what? Okay. Okay. Now we have an optional ending. Wait, wait. Sorry. The- can, I, I know we, we want to move on, but can I? This is actually a classic situation where, look, he's like touched on a ton of different things here. Yeah. All of which could be discarded and pick one. And then yeah. zoom into it with a huge yeah. magnifying glass. Like you wrote a sim about healthcare, and another one about immigration, and about yeah. one about Godzilla. Like I don't know yeah. anything about these. It's like you're trying to say like, look, I did all these amazing things. It's like, Bleh. like, wh- like wh- what happened? <laughs> Is any of this amazing? I kind of have to just scratch my head and say, are you just trying to like reach for straws? So don't make yeah. me think that. Dig into one and then. Teach me something about your world, and that would make me impressed. Yeah, any one of these does sound like it could be interesting. I mean, like the Godzilla simulation, I would love to hear how that... I mean, that sounds super interesting. That sounds super creative. Yep. And interesting. And if you actually wrote this thing... Yep. And surprised your team, now you get to like show yourself leading. You get to show something really interesting... Here, look, I wrote this simulation where people would come in and like draft mock legislation in the Senate about we got an incoming disaster here. Godzilla is attacking. What do we do? Yeah. And like that's yeah, that could be totally great. But then, no, he has to spin it into this name drop of Sir Ian McKellen so that he can highlight again his acting ability, which he started the thing with, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I like this next one. Okay, Optional ending. This statement will not say my ultimate dream is to become a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm applying to law school, but I do not want to become a lawyer. Ezra needs to go look in the mirror and ask himself whether he does want to be a lawyer. Yeah, he does. Because I'm not convinced. I will enjoy working as an attorney to build my career. Oh, no, you won't. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I will enjoy working as an attorney. No, no, you won't. Um, however, my true goal is to perform the same work that I did at the Edward M. Kennedy Institute, comma, this time, comma, not as a simulation. <laughs> SMH, man. (laughs) The skills I learned there, comma, and throughout my life, comma, can be bolstered by a legal education, comma, (laughs) so that someday I can be a political servant and create fair and comprehensive legislation that will have a lasting impact, period. To follow in the footsteps of the greatest lawmakers, such as Ted Kennedy, I will need to become an expert in the subject by attending law school. I want to be president someday. Is that what you're trying to say, Ezra? Or at least a senator. At least fallback. a senator. Yeah. Fallback position. Which is a more reasonable goal, but still, uh, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like, 
I feel like this just makes you seem naive. I I would if you if you really want to be a politician, then you go start working the street. Yeah, if you really want to be a politician, you would already be on your local city council or school board or some local government. Like, just tell me, you either show me that you are already doing this work or don't waste my time by talking about it. Yeah, this is not good. Your 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 political aspirations, like... You know, I get done with all this and I'm like, oh, he he's an acting student. He's a theater kid who wants to be a politician who he's a he's a double major. He's proud of his double major. He's a theater kid who also majored in political science, which is two. I'm now thinking like, well, those are two real soft majors, you know, Mm -hmm. like political science is not science right so it's like okay so you got these two two artsy majors and 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 you you helped open a show essentially yeah a show you did a show and now you think that that means that you could be a senator and to be a senator you've got to go through hell aka law school AKA yeah, legal practice. Yeah. <laughs> uh it it yeah, you that just spun it in a real bad direction. That yeah. la- that last paragraph there makes you look so naive. Yeah. Okay. I I would go it, from what we've seen so far of Ezra, uh I would not go to law school, but if I was going to go to law school, I would use this opening of this thing but I would just focus a lot more on what you actually did in the opening of this thing. Yeah. Start with President Obama, then jump right into your leadership role and what you did. Yeah. In, and in the, this, yeah. And the success of opening it on time and like creating these new modules, maybe, or maybe focus on one of them. And, you know, you made your deadline and it was a great success like that. That's that's totally cool. Like that would be like, oh, wow, look at look at Ezra. Like, look at this thing he did. And he can get things done. And it's really, that's the message you're trying to show to law schools is that you're responsible, can take care of things under pressure. It's not about any of this political stuff. They're not going to care about the fact that you led a replica of something that happens to be political and this happens to be legally related. It's about your ability to lead in this circumstance or any other circumstance. Yeah. Thank you, Ezra. Sorry for yelling at you so much. You knew, I guess, what you were going to get. So <laughs> hope you got your money's worth. Yeah. And you're not alone. So don't take yeah. it personally. Yeah. You and everyone else are like real, real bad at writing and you need, you just, I don't know, you need to read it out loud. You need to write more declarative sentences, shorter, more declarative sentences. And you need to, um, yeah, boy, really work on that editing. Uh, okay. Should we, can we do, do you have time Ben to do one of these? I really want to do one. of these. Yeah. Questions. I do want to do one of these. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you um, go ahead and and read it? Sure. Okay. So this is from uh, LSAT India test 2009. I don't know that it has a number or anything like that. And it's section one, question one. I don't know that anyone will be able to access this. You just have to listen to this. um, And I hope that you enjoy it. Okay. So question one says, this is written by LSAC or published by LSAC. So bear with. Why should the disappearance of Beatles 
plants or birds concern us? First, a species, the irreplaceable product of millions of years of development, is of intrinsic value. Another, perhaps more compelling, reason to conserve biological diversity is pure self-interest. Like every species, ours is intimately dependent on others for its well-being. Time after time, creatures, even those once thought useless or harmful, are found to play crucial roles in natural systems. Predators driven to extinction no longer keep populations of potential pests in check. Earthworms or termites killed by pesticides no longer aerate soils. Mangroves cut for firewood no longer protect coastlines from the erosive force of the sea. <laughs> the above argument, as a whole, seeks to establish that. Huh. So, um, what type of question is this, Nathan? That is a main conclusion question. That's right. If the whole argument is seeking to establish, that means prove, the whole argument is trying to prove which one of these five. Yeah. So it's just, uh, that's another way of asking for the main conclusion. Yep. And where, what's your biggest clue of what the main conclusion is? Well, I mean, you just, so like I, since you said that, then I start, I want to start looking for keywords, but. Oh I, I'm yeah. Not, I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking so much about keywords. No, I was just no, thinking yeah. the first sentence was, was a question. So it seems yeah. like it's directed well, toward answering that. Yeah, if you're tuned in from the very first sentence, it's like, because my response was going to, like, why should the disappearance of beetles, plants, or birds concern us? Question mark. And I go, I don't know. I guess you're going to tell me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why? Why should it? And I mean, that is going to be the conclusion of the argument, right? Yeah. It's like, tell me why. Yeah. And then they say, they give, so then they give a throwaway, it looks like, huh? First, the irreplaceable product of. A species is of intrinsic value, but then it says another, <laughs> perhaps more compelling. Reason. <laughs> yeah. Right. To conserve biological diversity. They just told you a reason for something mm -hmm. is pure self-interest. Oh, so you're saying that the reason why it should concern us is because we need it. it the next sentence, like every species, ours is intimately dependent on others for its well-being. Yeah. And then they give a whole bunch of examples of that. Yeah. Crucial roles in natural systems. That last sentence with all the semicolons is three different examples. And those are all meant to support um, the idea that we are dependent on others for our well-being. Yeah. Which is why we should. Uh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Man, that's. I could see that being on the LSAT on, on the. U.S. LSAT. I could also see them asking a main conclusion question with that question stem. Yeah, it's not common, but they could totally do it. Though. I feel like That's they've why done that before. Yeah, yeah, I think they have too. You need, I mean, and these days it seems like they're they're getting a little bit um, frisky with some of the question stems. Like you mm -hmm. really have to just read them. Shocker! You have to read them, <laughs> yeah, and understand what they're asking you. Yeah, and not just like formulaically just glance at it and go, oh, that's necessary assumption. Like, no, you got to read all the words and make sure that you're sure what what they're asking. But yeah, it, this is a main conclusion question. So I would predict the answer always. Yeah. And my prediction is uh, the reason why we should care about the disappearance of beetles, plants or birds 
is because our species is intimately dependent on others for its well-being. Yep. All right. You want to go through the answer choices? Sure. So answer choice A says, it is only selfish people who <laughs> wish to conserve biological diversity. Whoa. Mm. That's not true. You could reorder those words to make it the right answer. <laughs> uh, yeah. To conserve biological diversity, or we want to conserve biological diversity for selfish reasons or selfish people. Yeah, biological <laughs> diversity should be sh- should be preserved, should be conserved for selfish reasons. Yeah, but not only like that would do it. <laughs> only yeah, selfish not, people yeah. uh, are the ones who want to conserve. No, that's yeah. not what it said. So A is out. B. Okay. Whether species to which people pay little attention become extinct is not of great importance except to scientists. Whoa! Whoa. Like, what? Where did that come from? I don't remember. The exact opposite of point of the passage yeah okay um c there are no species in nature that are properly considered harmful to people <laughs> whoa <laughs> they're they're grasping at words here in the passage i see it says time after time creatures even those once thought useless or harmful are found to play crucial roles in natural systems yeah someone's like aha no one is actually harmful that um, made me think of the brown recluse that was in our classroom in oh Chicago. my gosh yeah that's right they are poisonous. Gigantic spider. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, no, the argument is not saying that there are no species that are harmful to people. <laughs> That's not their point. Yep. D, species of plant and animal life should be preserved. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty good. Because they are valuable both in themselves and for the well-being of people. Mm, that seems like a decent uh, summary of the reasons provided. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that they cared very much about that first reason. Mm-hmm. I, I I sort of saw the second reason as really their point. Yep. But D includes what I thought was really their point, which was we should preserve them for the well-being of people. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that it also lumps in, also they're valuable for themselves. Like, yeah, right. That, they did say that. So I'm fine saying that that was part of you know the argument as a whole was seeking to establish that's fine whatever close yep. enough yeah okay he says to protect coastlines from erosion by the sea it is necessary to plant mangroves or other <laughs> such species along the coast okay this answer is for those who think that the conclusion must come last yep <laughs> and they're like aha i found it um not necessarily the conclusion often comes in the middle or at the beginning too so if you're just skimming yeah i could if you're trying to look for shortcuts and just be lazy? Yeah, you could absolutely pick E. Yeah. All right, so the answer is D. That was an easy one. But it's also the first question in the section, so that's not surprising. Uh, yeah. yeah. Else at India. Cool. Yeah. So I guess we'll, All right, we'll, well try to do some more All right, well, that gives us some more questions to start messing with. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to uh, roll those in. Yeah. All right, that was uh, show 165. Thanks, all y'all, for listening. Nice knowing you. No paper. Oh, and we should add that Adam might add a song here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do we need to do a little introduction of the song? I don't know. Let's see if people stayed on and listened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who p- produced this song, but everything in this song that was said is true. So we have to at least put some of it on the end of this program. Perfect. Cool. I'm majoring in pre-law myself. Oh, no, no, no. Bad idea, trust me. Being a lawyer is the worst. Now stand back and let me tell you my tale of woe. 
a lawyer. I'm serious, it really, really sucks. Don't be a lawyer. No one you work with looks like Ally McBeal. There are so many other professions that don't turn you into Jeff Sessions. Just say no to the lawyer employer. No! Don't be a lawyer. What about human rights law? No money, no, no money. Environmental law? No money, even less money. Immigration law? No money, plus it's a bummer. Okay, but what if one day you make it to the Supreme Court? It'd be great to be on the Supreme Court, but you'll never be on the Supreme Court. There's truly 